The Hawkman. The Hawkman. I'll be back. Back up a lip. Yo. How come, how come no one wants to introduce the show, man? What is this? We're shy tonight, man. We're shy. You're no, shy. I'll introduce it because you get it wrong every week. Welcome, <laughs> everybody, to the, the Horseman of the Black Lips Real Locker Room Talk with myself, Boom. Simon. we got Nigel. We have Stalio. And today, we have a very special guest. We have John Sermon, who uh, runs a, a, a recruiting business uh, down in the Isle of Wight, I believe. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about some things. We're going to mix it up and get into the uh, subject matter. So let's crack on our Stalio. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot, Simon, man. He's got it right. Finally, someone got it right. Although it was about... I'll give it like a script. I'll give it like an 8 out of 10, an out of 10. And it falls oh, for the. Nah, man, you know something? Considering that was off the top of his head, he, he did that proper. What you should do is record that and base that <laughs> on your script, man. Turn that into your script, brother. And you too, you too yeah. will sound like that. You will sound polished. <laughs> Why do you guys always got to pick on me, man? What is this, man? I'm not picking on you, man. You're picking on me, man. Hey, leave me alone. Anyway, um, what I want to talk about today, anyway. Um, who, like, who likes train stations? What? Do you not actually do? I you do. like train stations? Do you, so do you like train stations the, uh, the same as I like train stations? For I the like same train reasons. stations because of architecture. I like old train stations. Oh, well, yeah, I suppose. Old have you, have you, has any of you guys ever sat at a train station and been like, wow, man, I could stay here all day, man, and look at all the different kind of people walking? I guess it's the same as the airport, really. You sit there and you watch all the different kind of people walking by and you're like, whoa, what's, 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 what's I'm glad you said that. Sorry to cut in straight away, but we've got to deal with something actually because we never actually did deal with this and you know where I'm going, mate. Mm. Like, I, I, me and Wayne decided we're going to go on our traveling endeavors and we thought, you know, we, we, we've been to Brazil and now it's time to go somewhere in the other direction. So we took ourselves across to Thailand. So we landed in Bangkok. Now, I've yeah. wanted to go to Thailand since I was... Oh, no. Come on, dude, man. Let's let a man speak. So, from when I was about 14, I wanted to go to Thailand. I finally achieved my goal. I'm like 35 years old or something. I'm like, yeah, actually, I was 34 years old. I'm like, yeah, man. This is the one. I get to go to Thailand. I get to see oh, you know, everything I wanted to see. These beautiful islands, these beautiful girls. I get to just taste the food. I thought this is going to be like a, a delight of all the senses. That's if Wayne would let us get out of the airport, that is. <laughs> Dude, have you ever known anyone who wants to spend two hours in an airport? Yeah, well, I like airports. I like the yeah, different really. kind of people walking yeah. back and forth. I know what scenery you were looking at, brother. It weren't the women. No, there weren't no women. He wanted to get his phone charged. Like, he wanted to get his battery, his spare battery. He wanted to get his phone chip. He wants to basically do all his weekly shop in the airport. In the airport. Before we leave. Yeah, but the problem yeah. that we've got... The, the, the problem that we've got is like we've, we've landed at a stupid time in the morning anyway you know what I mean and then like so we, we just want to get to where we're going I'm desperate to see what Thailand looks like and all I can see is a generic building that looks like any other building you know that's and, not true man and, and then what does it do we spend about an hour in the airport 
and the whole reason we didn't take extra like uh, any other luggage we did we just took hand luggage is so we didn't have to wait for our bags to come through in customs well, that, we that, 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 anyway. that, 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 that i can that i can understand but mate, when, I get, when, I, when i come out of the other side of the airport i run for the doors man <laughs> i'm not hanging around in there the thing is more on everything in there because it's an airport do that i run for the doors i run for the doors find my transfer get to where i need to get to them find the cheapest shop in the whole place that i'm staying and stock up <laughs> The thing is, it's called strategic planning. Now, my foot, my foot, my, if you're spending a third more on stuff, as that strategic? You got to organize yourself before you leave the airport in order for you yeah. not to get ripped off. All right, then, all right. Let me let me ask you something. Then, what the hell was you doing on the nine-hour flight on the way there? Well, you can't do nothing. You got no internet. Yeah, well, you can still plan and work out this and that, and you can do all that research before you even get on the plane. Yeah, but you know, you gotta. You, the thing is, you can. You can't, it's like ah, it's like going into a deep pool. You can't. You can't. You don't know what you're gonna do. Look, you don't know what you're gonna do when you before you get in a deep pool. Before you get into the deep. You you went to Thailand and you didn't go on the internet and do any research. Yeah, but I also knew. I think that was actually when when Sai joined. I think that was actually the second time I've been there. So it was more like, okay, Sai, so this is how it's gonna go down. That's what I said to him. I'm pretty sure I was like, Sai, this is how it's gonna go down. Yeah, because I was, I was trying to. Right there. This is your second time, and you still managed to save the airport. Hey, hey, the Simon can vouch for me, yeah, and I don't know if John's ever been to Thailand, but Thailand they're efficient at sucking money out of you. They were efficient at it. And I said, Ty, you don't want to get robbed at every hurdle. I said, we're going to do like this. Tell me some of the planning that you did in this airport. Because I'm, in, I'm intrigued now. Because I'm trying to think. Know, Hold on a minute. Kind of... <laughs> well, the first, thing is, the first thing is we had to set up mobile phone coverage. I said, look, we got to get mobile phones right now. I, was, I forgot that you can get it anywhere. But I thought it was very important that we had the airport. So we had our, you know, our internet coverage. So we can still get in touch with our loved ones in case. You never Dude, was going to was going to be in the center of Bangkok. Yeah, but like, bro, everything's open. You could get clone phones with encryption. Two minutes. No, we just the wanted a chip. We just wanted a chip. <laughs> we just wanted a chip. That's all we wanted. Just wanted a chip so we could on a Thai network, so we could just jump on, and then we can be obviously we ain't got no roaming days to charges or anything like that. We're basically locals. We can go on the internet. It's cheapest chips. I think we put a ten pound thing in it. It could last a month. That yeah. even used the stuff like it just literally was ridiculous. I was sending videos home all the time like it was joke. Um, so so that, was, that was that was that was the good thing. But bro, you, Nigel, I love it. I'm just me smart to pop out the room. But then I heard you say just before I went out, like when I'm in the airport, I'm trying to literally run to the exit. I want to get out really? of that place. You know, I mean, really? I've never expected a, a twenty really? year each to go to Thailand, and this guy won't let me get out of the airport. But he's been there before. Hey. I left him. And I said, Where, where's the hotel? I'll meet you there, brother. The thing I'll is as well, look, they have, they have different kind of hotel, they have different kind of taxi, taxi systems in, in Thailand. What they do is the, the first line of taxis, the guys you don't want to go with. Yeah. If you go with them, they end up charging you three times the, orig- the, the actual price to get to wherever you want hey, to sit mate. in Bangkok. So I had to explain to Sarah, I said, look, if you want to pay three yeah, times you, the price. But if, but, if, but if you knew that, then... 
out and walk past them guys and there's another set of guys yeah, but it's so, so time consuming that you're going down so you have to find the right place hey, like, you, know, you listen right if you spent two hours in the airport after you come off that plane and clear customers man you can't talk to you about time consuming nah, it's an exaggeration it was an hour I'm running for them doors they're stopping me at the doors because they think I'm a bloody terrorist mate I'm running that fast <laughs> excuse me sir why are you in a hurry you want the sun I'm from England do you know why we just jumped? On? No, do you know why we jumped on this? You know, I, I do actually want to say because we've got John on as well, and I know that like I think we all share this passion actually of travel. And the only sort of um, topic that I really brought to the table today, which written in front of me, is who misses traveling, and what do you miss? And I think that's like, you know, while we've got no holidays to look forward to this year, and I don't think the I'm going on holiday. I don't know about you, dude. I, I listen. I think listen. It depends on 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 everybody's individual circumstances. I think if it comes to the point where you know you haven't lost too much money during what's happening now with COVID and everything like that, and and also if you, it depends on children or whatever, everyone's situation's different. You know, if anyone had a holiday planned, that is literally the key word, isn't it? Planned. So you'll you'll put everything in place for you to go away. If lockdown ends, say properly in. August, you'd say, because I really think there's going to be a second spike, and I think that's going to drive people back indoors for another 26 weeks, or not 26 weeks, another 13 weeks, I really do, at the minimum. So I think that is going to be what happens. Um, so I think we're going to come out of it somewhere where we're actually expecting the, the second, on you know, from what Dr. Fauci saying in America, they're talking about in the fall, in the autumn, or whatever, uh, or early winter for a second um, wave. Of this so if this thing comes back by that time, and we, we, we're trying to let people out now, if it doesn't work, and I'm not saying it's not going to, but if it doesn't work, and then we've got this sort of, this spike because of people have sort of gone back out into the community, followed by, you know, and then people get sort of sent back inside, so maybe we just start to sort of, you know, edge it off the curve again now, we start like rounding the curve, but then we get the winter or the autumn come along and we get that second spike. I don't think anyone's going to be going anywhere, and from what this guy's saying, He's pretty much, you know, he's a top expert in the world in the in, in diseases and stuff and, and these, you know, um, infectious diseases. And if he says he's coming back, I believe him. I really, really do. So uh, where are you going then? <laughs> well, the thing is, in. I think it depends on how the countries handle it. Like, for the example... Thing, the thing is, like, the difference between, say, Wayne and us is we're on an island. So for us to go anywhere, we've got to jump on the plane. Wayne can jump in his car, and as long as the borders are open, you can get as far as where Croatia, Israel, Turkey. Actually, in fact, in fact, I can go all the way to China if I want to, just have to navigate through like places like Iran and stuff. But yeah, in so theory, I can go all the way to the other side of China. Your Wayne's limitations are the borders around Germany, whereas our limitations. And the thing is, I, if you think about it, the UK haven't locked down flights, even at the height of this virus. Nah, man, those people flying in flying out left, right, and they have been having actually stopped flights. It's just certain holiday makers, certain holiday or airlines have had to because of the locations they fly to. They've been told, no, nah, man, you can't come in. You know what I mean? But there, there was flights coming into the UK. They, 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 have, they didn't lock the flight off. It was only last week they announced, oh, if you come into the UK, then um, you'll have to be quarantined. You know what I mean? This is like, what, eight, eight weeks into the whole thing. They're saying, oh, by the way, if you come in now, we've got, we've got to stay at home. So... Yeah, yeah. If you want to escape from the UK, you still can escape. Maybe someone will take your money and will and deposit you wherever you want. In the world. <laughs> <laughs> Me personally, I'm looking to go to Scotland for the first time because I've never been. I'm You're looking to go back down to Cornwall. 
uh, yeah, I, I may, I know. I, I, even now, I've never been. I can see. I, I can already. I can already see in my mind what I'm going to see. If that makes sense, because I already mm. know the beauty of that place. How it's, how it's been untouched. It ain't metropolis. It's, you can literally go to some outbacks and 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 not see somebody for like a couple of days. You know what I mean? To me, it's like what? So that's what I'm yeah. going to do. And the second thing I'm going to do, because of COVID, I'm actually going to jump in a car and I'm going to drive to Germany. Oh, that's if they let you in, man. The oh, main bridge, Well, yeah, obviously, obviously, when things get, but I'm going to drive because I've never drove in Europe. I've always had this thing of, nah, man, I ain't doing it, you know, I ain't being You know something? Why? What this has taught me? Another thing is, just do it, man. Sure. The world's just been hit, stopped by a bloody virus, and you're you're stopping yourself from driving in Europe because of what? Just do it. But man, come over to Germany, you know. I'll come visit you. Take my week off and drive over. You'll be fine, man. Me and Wayne did it. I drove to Dusseldorf anyway. <laughs> Remember? I uh, no, you drove from Dusseldorf, didn't you? <clears throat> no, I drove from England. I drove from your house. Oh, you did? Yeah, you drove. No, wait there. You drove all the way to... Dusseldorf wait, you drove... Airport. And then Julia jumped in the car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, just, just follow somebody else. I'll just follow somebody else, man. Whatever they do, I'll do. Make sure, make sure they don't beat me at the lights. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always going to be somebody in front here, it? So even if they yeah, beat you at the lights. Same, man. So may I, go, may I go do it, man? What kind, of what, what kind of false, uh, false statements that there's always going to be someone in front of you at the lights, man? I've been at the front of the lights many a time. Yeah, but someone's going to turn my, from, my, from my, the my, left my, or the right. Modify your speed, man. How <laughs> <laughs> have you drove at all in Europe? Um, sorry, yeah. Say Yeah, I said, have you done any driving around Europe or abroad? Like, yeah, yourself? I've drove down to the south of France, through Italy and stuff. Um, my nice. auntie lives over in France, actually. I just say, not even if you drive over there, I think at the moment. They're, they're, um, my mate got stuck in France. They wouldn't let him out of the country. Yeah. Um, just the COVID situation. The police over there are quite, like, Britain's quite a liberal place. Though you go into Europe at the moment, they're quite, yeah, when they say in- lockdown, Lockdown, don't yeah, they? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of holidays, I took my kids camping a couple of days ago. You know, it's a slight breach of the the COVID regulation, but I took them about two miles into the forest. Again, yeah. your social distancing, of course. Four police officers um, caught me in there. Someone called the what? police. Officer. What? Bear in mind, I'm on the Isle of Wight. It's the middle of nowhere. There's people not to be seen, and one person spotted me, and four police officers turned up in the forest. So. Oh you, you, you my can't get God! I mean, the yeah, thing is, right? I mean, I ain't being funny. You're like you said, you're in the middle of nowhere. You've got your kids with you who have uh, been with you since the crisis. You ain't bothered. You, yeah. you, you have to go home, or they, they let you stay. Yeah, they give me a caution. They let me stay. They just gave me a caution and said, if you you're outside the nest again for for no real reason, then um, or do you? But the they were quite friendly police. But I imagine in Europe. I might have got a beating with a bat all over there. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, not in Germany, that, wouldn't. And, that, and, that, and that's the whole madness of it because they're saying, well, you know, now you know, you want you back to work, and you know, you, you have your social bubble, and you can include one other member of family, and, and what, effectively they're saying, look, just be safe and take care, and and yeah. you've obviously done that. I mean, you shouldn't have even really had the caution, and I think that's because the guidelines which are coming down from the top, they they are confusing. You know, I mean, I've been out today with the missus who went for a walk. And it was like any other normal, yeah. any other normal Tuesday afternoon. Cars yeah. up and down, people walking. I was thinking, bloody hell! It's almost like it didn't happen, but the reality is, it's still here. So you think, mm. well, 
Yeah, that's know, true. Yeah. What, what, what's the reality of the situation? But if, if, like Simon says, if it does come back, they, they can't have a lockdown again. They, nah, they can't, it would be hard to go back on that. It? They can't do this again. They won't be able to afford it. So what we'll do is what they'll, they'll, they'll just do what they, what they wanted to do to begin with. <laughs> have you heard what they do in Singapore? Have you heard how they're keeping people in lockdown? You should, Wayne, if you get a chance to look this up now, have a look oh, at the lockdown. Is that, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that with the app where they get tested? Yeah, they've got they an app. And they go anywhere. It's, it's, basically a, it's a tracker. It's basically like a tracker. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they pulled a man off a bus <laughs> and said, where are you going? You, you, you've got cold. Yeah. Get off this bus and just sent him home. <laughs> <laughs> The order watch is the first place in the UK to have that, that, that app now, so they can track everywhere you go um, yeah. at the moment, so they're doing it over here now. I heard on the grapevine, I don't know how true this is, but I heard on the grapevine that we had a couple of warships set off from uh, one of the naval bases, not too far from the Isle of Wight. And um, a lot of the people on board were had COVID. And again, it's just a rumor. It's just what I heard. You might be able to confirm it. But I heard that this ship had been docked at the Isle of Wight and Alan Dyne there for a couple of weeks because everyone on there had COVID. Yeah, wasn't that true? That was true, wasn't it? Possibly, yeah. But I don't, I don't know about, I don't know um, which dock it was. Yeah, I never yeah, saw much that, of that. I, I heard that. So someone actually said to me, "We haven't got, we haven't got no, we haven't got no military at the moment." <laughs> <laughs> they're all short off the Isle of Wight and I was thinking what that's what I mean man it's, it's like this, this is madness this is, this, is, this is just madness it's just madness what's your take on it John we've, we've, all, we've, all, we've all kind of exhausted death man but what, yeah. what's, what's your take on this whole thing from like what you know do you think it's kind of like is it, is it, was it was it a Chinese man eating a monkey's ass you know was it was it, was it, was it <laughs> Was it, was it a great dude that got infected? What's your thoughts, man? Where it originated from, who knows? And I think it's a bit the, the, the blame and pointing the fingers just going to be done by warmongers now. But again, Simon shared a post yesterday and it was, um, you know, it's about, again, we've got to be conscious of people who are vulnerable to the disease and then there's a lot of people living in fear who, who, aren't, who aren't vulnerable to it. And you don't know what's, it's just, you don't know what's true really, do you? But all, all I know is, um, is definitely our economy is going to travel into a place that we've never seen before. Uh, we're going yeah. into uncharted territory because uh, the government can spend that money, but they're really spending the money for of our future, really. So, uh, yeah. if we say the word austerity for the past few years, I think austerity is really going to come up on on almost everybody now. Because do 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 you think right? And I'm gonna I'm gonna be devil's advocate here. Well, okay, we've just had austerity, 2007, it all happened. Apparently, we're, you know, we've been in austerity for the last 10, 12 years. People have still become millionaires. More people have become billionaires during austerity than before austerity. So do you, I'm not saying it's artificial, but the fact that they can print money whenever they want, do you think they almost think, well, I tell you what, this is one way that we can kind of justify not having to borrow any more than we need to, say, for like pay rises for ourselves, you know, make sure the NHS get a bit of money. We've, we've, we've turned those guys into heroes, so we've got to give them a bit of money. But everybody else, everybody else will take the pain because, yeah, the NHS have saved us. I mean, that's exactly what it is, though. Because every, every furlough payment, every handout is going to turn into power um, because effectively, this is now an excuse now to, to increase taxes. 
um, extensively mm -hmm. on every single person. Yeah. Um, in yeah. The so, um, you know, that's weird. Sorry, carry on, John. Yeah, sorry, so carry on, Mike. I, I just think that with this whole situation, I think that the problem that we've got, and this is like a definitely something that's happened over the last five to ten years, is can you remember a time in life where there was any kind of like cr like con uh, crisis going on, whether it be a natural event, natural event, or whether it be some kind of financial thing like the, you know the Great Depression or whatever it would be, the financial crisis in two thousand and eight, where we haven't just got clear guidance from the top. And what I mean before someone, anyone jumps in, I don't mean to say like, look, Boris is a fool. I don't like the way he's handled it. John, you've seen that, you've seen that on my post. Yeah, yeah. That. But I also said this isn't the time to deal with it now. I've, and I believe that people are trying to do their best. But do you believe now, oh shit, where did I lose my, my chain of thought with this now? Uh, duh, 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 duh. Oh my God, I've just went off, right off the subject and everything. Um, oh God. Something about Boris. Well, it was not Boris. about Boris. No, I was saying that like Boris is basically, yeah, he's, he's done like basically the, be the best he can in the situation. But like, I'm just going to go to where my next point was. John was saying it's going to be an economic crash and it will be to like levels that we've, we've never, ever seen before. What comes mm. after that now is, is it going to be like systems and governments basically fighting tooth and nail to make you basically turn not everyone into slaves because they, they've got a choice, but because they have no choice, like really high taxation, Poor services, you know. The thing is, the thing with really high taxation is that eventually you, you can only you can only squeeze a pip for so much, and once that pip pops, you know, if you're talking about millions of people who are now going to kind of have the rug pulled from underneath them because they're not going to be able to afford to even even not going to be able to afford to work. Because every time they work, they've got to pay for petrol. You know, right now, if we had the fuel prices that we had now, pre-COVID, we would have a better economy. Because yeah. guess what? People be spending less on fuel, be putting more into the economy, more into their families' pockets, be going to do more retail. But as soon as this is all over, the price will be back up to 120, 130. Even though oil will probably stay at this low rate. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Like I've got my back as well. They can, <laughs> they can print money when they want to. Mm. You've got to ask yourself, well... Yeah, but, you know what, though? Can well, I just say something on this one? Um, because, it, um, I mean, I, I'm in a part of this group, and it's called the Elite Investors Club. So I like to listen to what they're talking about on the money side of things. And they're on the different, yeah. completely different spectrum to me. They're in the top, probably between 5 and 1% of the population. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so a lot of those guys, a lot of wealthy people own assets. So... They're basically, yeah. they're almost like the, the, the main influencers on how much money governments can print off. Um, they're going to hoover up after this, man. <laughs> they're hoovering up. They're not waiting until after, brother. They're not waiting. They're like, look, look at the... You just you hitting the nutshell. Sorry, 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 John. Carry on, John. You didn't finish. You didn't finish. I was just talking about like, special interest groups. So, again, like you've got aerospace industries, property, commercial property, all these industries. So, uh, imagine if, you know, COVID is... Is going to get anybody who's probably age sixty plus, seventy plus. There's a likelihood they could be um, affected by it or killed by it. So therefore, um, that is that part of them protecting uh, themselves by, you know, contributing towards this shutdown and making sure it doesn't happen. But then on the other on the other side, they're also the influencers on printing money because they'll only let the government print off a certain amount of money. And I think they've got a main influence. Uh, on that, which therefore the people who are going to get strained are probably the working 
and middle classes are going to be squeezed um, tax-wise to death, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's it. And then you've got dependency. Everybody, like the people who are out of work could be people who've never been out of work before. They're going to be yeah. dependent. And then politicians can use it. Again, you've got your Boris Johnsons as well, pre preaching heroism. You know, and that's how they'll get voted back in through dependency and offering free handouts to everybody, which people will really need. Um, thing is, like, that is that is that is the trap, isn't it? That that whole thing there to get when you get people into the system. But let's be honest, that that is what has been the problem for well decades, isn't it? It's once people get into that system and realise why I ain't got to pay no rent and this is all done for me and that's done for me. And, I can get by on the minimum and I haven't got to push myself anymore. And I'm not saying everyone, but some people then think, well, why should I fall out of it? Why should I come out of this? So I it's don't just know. Like New Deal, though, or anything else that existed as like a, as a social, as part of the, you know, the, the, the welfare structure that we've got over here. Like there was a time where under Labour, and I was always, I, I'm a Labour voter, um, but the, there was a time where even I had to look and go, listen, we're going too far now. We're literally rewarding laziness. Like, listen, there's a man. friend of mine. Let me just finish this one point. Sorry, there's a friend of mine who was basically given £20,000 and offered free rental of a shop on Bearwood High Street and that for a year because the council owned it because he wanted to open up a, he wanted to have a, a, a clothing brand just like uh, local people who, who was going to put prints on shirts and it was going to be a celebration of local sort of talent and art and that yeah, on t-shirts yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. It was a great concept and everything. They were going to throw this money at him but they were going to do it because he'd been out of work for more than two years but my hey, management to be out of work for two years. But me, who's got these ideas, who's trying to be all, you know, who wanted to actually co contribute, and I've been working hard, and I had, like, creative ideas right. as well. There wouldn't the even be I've, 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 I've got nothing against that if that business that they're going to fund isn't just for one person, but he's going to take five or six people on, and he's going to provide employment and opportunity for... You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna give one man something, you've got to be able to replicate or help five others. So yeah, but I think that my point though is like what a lot of people look. I'm not. There's a lot of conservative voters out there, and I'm not about conservatives in as in like the conservative party, but just generally, people always pick themselves as conservative or or liberal. Quite you know, and there's a lot of people who will look at that when they look at the big picture and they look at the coffers of the way and the way that this country. Um, in general, or any country deals with their finances as a whole, and they'll look at the, this, the state and they'll say, "Listen, like I think what John was alluding to is this over-dependency, more than just dependency, where people will go into a system where they've not used to it before, and like you say, like oh, your council tax is paid as well. Like people who have never been unemployed might not know. They might think, oh, you'll get help towards your rent. They won't realise. No, we will pay your rent." <laughs> and we will pay your council tax and we will give you money and if you've got any dependents we will give money for them too and if you're out of work for a little while we'll give you training if you're out of work for a very long time we'll give you money and then it becomes like a situation where in this situation as well where it's almost by not by choice where the government is getting nothing back absolutely nothing back or very little from key workers and they're having to pay out 10 times more than they ever was that's only so long that's going to be self-sustaining. So, um, self and people are going to say that it's going to be the, the transition to herd immunity again because the country just will be at yeah. breaking point. And they'll say, look, we've got no choice. They will, I think I said in my post yesterday, John, they'll come to a point, point where they will literally have to say, and this is what they should have done from now. Look, we're weighing everything up economically and from a public health point of view because the situation is so dire that if we don't, 
come at you now at this with the scales and say listen we have to balance this there isn't an economy at all going to be left and what that means for the regular person who just thinks oh there'll be no economy what does that mean no banks no we mean no firemen when your house is on fire no police no court system nobody you know if they're attacking you on the street nobody's coming to save you you know the, you know just general basic structures huh? when you be like bring them two subjects together like done about traveling earlier and again i think sometimes with britain we we take things for granted in some ways that our nhs uh, and our, our welfare infrastructure is pretty good compared to some parts of the world again you can go place like thailand and we get good service if you pay for it directly and then some places you know i've been place like india and that there's nothing there whatsoever and you just think we we can become a little bit complacent of why we have we have a national health service because we have a, a leading economy that helps pay for it. And I think with that, an economy, when people say money don't matter, um, I agree to some extent. But on another case, you, they need to pay. Um, they need an economy to sustain our infrastructure, you know, our, our social infrastructure. Yeah. And can I lead on to that, John, just with one point as well? Because one thing I did write down that I wanted to ask you, because I know that you actually watched my video yesterday. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, if you check me out, Simon Johnson on Facebook, I was doing a post and it was talking about basically kids going back to school, but also the reopening of society in general. And the one thing that I wanted to ask you, because obviously you're in business as well, um, what do you actually believe about my point about market confidence where we, if we were to just open up tomorrow anyway, that if a shop like JD's or McDonald's is used to seeing a thousand customers a day, that maybe you're going to get three or four hundred but they have to let all their staff come back to work. Our business is going to survive like that. You know, is it something your business could do, you know, operating at 40% or 50%? Is it worth you opening your doors for that? Do you, I think, I don't think our economy is going to, you imagine it's been shut down now for nearly three months. Our economy, yeah. economy is not going to recover. But the longer we leave it, the worse it's going to be, one. And two, there is another thing, which is why well, there's no planes in the sky. Um, the plane, actually, the aerospace industry employs hundreds of thousands of people. It's almost like a heartbeat. It's a bit like the yeah. blood going um, circulating around your body. When the yeah. planes end, there, there will still be economic implications. Um, regardless, we'll be working on a very small economy, and it will get very challenging to to get work. And again, retail shops that they're not having their bills, and no one's paying their. They might have rate reductions, but no one's paying their rents and all the other costs. Of yeah. Coming. Yeah, furlough yeah. Really means redundant. I'm what two of my lads have had to furlough them, um, but really, will they have a job later on down the line? I, I don't know. It's just unknown, isn't it? It is because you don't know what the marketplace that you're going back out into is. I think that's that's the truth of it. It's just a world of unknowns. And this yeah, takes me to my, my, my sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm yapping a lot today, but I'll, I'll <laughs> this, this was the earlier point that I missed that I forgot. With the way it is now, with the fact that you know. All through our lives, we would have seen presidents come and go, we would have seen prime ministers come and go, and we had leaders in health or whatever it is, like, you know, when we had any kind of crisis, we had leaders and experts as well coming together to give us a clear picture. So even during, I wasn't there then, but obviously we watch a lot of things from, from going back, like say during the war, you know, when there when the, was air raid going on, um, people knew what to do. Uh, if there was like gas, people knew what to do. And I'm saying now, because politics is playing such a crucial role in even health advice that's coming out to people, you know, and, and what in, and the advice that we're meant to take as as citizens and, and people who are desperate to avoid this pandemic. Do you believe that one, we're getting good, clear, conscious advice 
and it's consistent and you know what to do with it? Or do you actually believe now it's got to the point where this is actually a danger to us because if the voices are being amplified and they're coming from all different directions, telling us different things, how are we meant to respond as citizens? And because we, we different people have their own personalities, like whether they should actually isolate or just say, oh, suddenly I'm going out and doing my life anyway. Do you think this is a dangerous situation that we're entering? Because it's definitely a new situation that I'd say has, has arrived in the last five or 10 years. Is that a question towards me? Is it something? Yeah? Well, just um, anyone, just in general, like, do you feel, how do you feel about the, the way that this, the advice, because if you look at what's going on in America with Trump, who's telling completely oh, different things to what his health experts are saying, and almost Boris did the same thing in terms of, but, I think, you know, the I think, I think, I think John hit the nail on the head there. The economy will dictate the actions that the leaders take. Um, unfortunately, we do need that lifeblood. We do need, unfortunately, we do need those numbers on the computer screen to be going round and rotating and going up and going down. And you, you, let, 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 let's say... Oh, I'm not missing the point. No, what I'm saying is, it, is, do you feel like we're getting consistent, like clear, consistent... Of, do you think citizens know yeah, what... The reason, the reason we're not getting clear consistent information is because, like I said, Boris said last week he wants us all to go back to work. You know what I mean, but then you've got people saying, Oh, two meters social distancing. If you can't go to work and you can't get two meters, don't go to work. So, you know, that that's why it's confusing because it's what they want, they, they want us back at work. If, you know, if they didn't have to say the other bit about everything else, they'd be happy to do that. Oh, go back to work, everything's all right, but they've got to say social, they've got to show that, right, you've got to take caution. Now, what you've got is employees, employers, sorry, you've now got to modify their workplaces, they've got to redesign offices, redesign workflow, make one-way systems in offices. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That advice being consistent as well, are, are they getting consistent advice? John, are you getting consistent well, advice on how to yeah. handle this, this crisis with your business? Are you getting government advice sent through to you? Um, yeah, to be fair, they've actually responded quite well for like, look, processing my staff payments and stuff like that. So I'm getting furlough payments so I can pay them wages and things like that. But um, again, being self-employed, I'm actually self-employed as I employ them. Again, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of misconception between what the politicians have promised and what they say yes. and what's actually delivered. A lot of small print that is not when they actually say it on the news. Um, and they oh, that's he headline figures, isn't it? That's the headline figures to yeah, make everyone they, feel good. The details, like they're giving bridging loans to my clients. A bridging loan is something to get them through this period, but. They're only allowed to spend it on certain things, which is not really any good for them. Um, yeah. The low interest rates and things like that, which they've lent out money. But I think clarity is the main thing, which everyone's a bit clouded about. You know, clarity on the statistics, um, on what's true and what's not. And then secondly, uh, you know, the corona statistics and then clarity on, yeah, really, what, what do you want to do? And thirdly, when you say, uh, should we be worried or concerned, Simon? Like, imagine... Um, uh, you know, the, the first time in history, really, in a thousand years, that our human, since the Magna Carta, that they've ever really had to do this to, um, in this country, is basically take away your, your basic human rights, really, which is to leave your home and do what you want to do. When the government mm -hmm. have powers like that, we've, we've seen things like that happen, you know, in places like Germany and, uh, you know, when the governments get too big and powerful, 
things can happen and things can go wrong. You've seen it yeah. in Cambodia, you know, so whether um, <laughs> the Nazis or not, um, they can convince people to do whatever they want them to do with a bit of fear, you know, and people do crazy stuff then, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I get from, from what I gathered, and I mean, we haven't spoken, but um, obviously you said, like, and I find, I find it really interesting and not at all crit critical of you, of you for it, but when you just said, look, you know, I am going to send my kids back to school, you know, and I find that that's why I love having a chat with you about things why I asked you to come on the show, because obviously we've not mm. you're not going to sit there and scream and shout at me. Um, but I found that really interesting because how difficult was it for you to weigh those things up? Because and was you taking the government's sort of narrative on this is what the coronavirus is, this is how dangerous it is, um, or you took your information from elsewhere and formed your own opinion? And how did you come to that decision? Like, look, if the schools were opening tomorrow, then I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna send my kids back. What led you to that decision? So I think um, just I think in general, like the kids especially, what led you to say that? And I'm not saying I'm not saying it in a critical way because I don't think there's an actual no, right no, or wrong answer. It's purely on the grounds that I mean I'm weighing up. Obviously, they're not gonna be um, they're probably not gonna be affected by it necessarily. But again, I know they could carry on. But I think mm -hmm. if they can put the right measures in place in school, then I would send them back one. Because um, it's gonna, I think, at the moment, them being at home and things like that, it's it's damaging to them to a lot of kids, especially my wife's a social worker, and there's kids being left at home doing all sorts of stuff. So the school yeah. is where you know children get together and do thing, you know, and their their developments and, and stuff like that. For one, but two, you either sit in the house and uh, and in fear, and we're going to run out of money at some point, so mm -hmm. I don't want to take any handouts. I want to get back. Uh, and be as independent as possible as soon yeah. as I can. The, yeah. the more time and the, and the more I get used to that, you know, you start getting furlough payments, where it is, life gets, uh, your habits change and you become more dependent on government. And I just want to move mm. forward. And I think yeah. will only be rebuilt, won't be rebuilt by politicians. It'll be real rebuilt by the energetic, um, uh, the entrepreneurs, uh, the workers, you know, in the industries, and I think that's like what... a natural disaster, isn't it? You know, like we, like say in places like Haiti, when literally you have a massive earthquake and every building is shook to its foundations, and then literally the next day, like people are crying, but they're picking up stuff and they're rebuilding from the start again. And I think that's what you still the start. Exactly, Haiti's and that's still, what Haiti's still a mess now, man. Well, I mean, but you know what I'm saying? Like, everyone gets the where, wherever, like, you, you know, like, after you know, in, I mean, there's a lot of places that left too, but I mean, in general, like, it, it is that thing, like, my house has been blown down, let me collect all my wood together, you know, sweep the floor off and build it again. I think that's kind of like what, what, what John's saying there, and I think it's like I say, I'm what I like, and I, I'm. It's not like I'm hesitant to praise this, this, this government and that, but I think what they are doing is like in the latter stages, this realm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a bit controversial because people know I'm, I am sort of anti Boris um, for how he's dealt with. <laughs> no, no, anti Boris for how he's dealt with this particular um, thing. I, I worry about Boris having our best interest at heart. I think he messed up early on. I think he's clumsy, now, that's what it is. Yeah, but I think he's doing a good job now, and I'll tell you for why. Because the way the schools are going to open, they've took the advice directly from probably places like the CDC and our own experts in the country, because they, like I did say in my post before I actually knew this was going to come into effect, that they should have staggered entries into schools. Uh, they should, should have reduced classroom sizes. They should have, you know, all these social distancing parameters set out in schools and, and, and for everything to be like sanitized and sanitized again, anything that's touched even blah, blah, blah. But 
when I heard that the, the, the steps that they were looking to take, it was exactly those things. And I was really, really pleased because I thought, okay, then when, a bit of common sense, you know, when you think about what would actually make it a possibility to open, you'd hope that those are the things that they thought through. And I know it sounds stupid that I'm me, simple Simon, you know, in medical, he's, he's trying to outthink the government on it, but we've had so many common sense things that just haven't come into fruition like when we saw this thing coming to react to it, prepare for it, like that was the obvious thing to do. That's common sense. That didn't happen. The change of, uh, of, of medical advice, that didn't happen. So, I mean, that happened and that would have, I think would have been to, to the detriment of certain people. But I think later on in the day, he's really done all right with it. And I think we're, we're taking good advice. My only issue that I'll say, just to finish up, is that think about this reduced classroom sizes thing. If we can only put 10 kids in, into a classroom, and there would normally be 30 kids in that, that classroom. Three, then, then you're going to need three teachers. Three times now, the teachers, yeah. You're going to need three times the teachers, and you're going to need three times the space, because then that one classroom now, unless you're dividing that classroom up with three different teachers talking, you know, when you've literally partitioned it up, you're going to need that. So I'm just interested in the larger schools, like secondary schools, where you've got people doing their exams and stuff like that. How are you going to do it? Are they going to introduce actually a shorter um, school week where maybe it's maybe a three-day week or something like that and you come in on the Monday, Wednesday and Friday. But if they do that, what's going to happen to parents who are just going back to a normal job, which is Monday to Friday? Can I do, can I do the comparisons a second? Because in England, nobody's at school at the moment in England. Is that right? Until the first of June. There were some people in for exams. Key has got a few... Kids at school. Okay, in Germany, basically, people have started going back to school. So they started off with people who are about to take their exams, basically. And in yeah. some states, different, various states in Germany, they said, okay, uh, we send us kids to school in a staggered formation. So basically, um, half the pupils come Monday and or one week, and the other half come the following week, and the other half stay at home, basically, or every other day, basically. So um, yeah. I, I don't. Like to me, I'm. I, I think it's a big farcical. To be fair, I, I think this virus is going to go out of control. If it, if there really is a virus, I think it's going to spread more anyway. Because the fact that even in a school like say of a thousand pupils, you're sending five hundred people to school at once, and even if you try and say okay, disinfect, you still got five hundred people in a confined space. You know, schools ain't that big. You know, you got play time, you got break time, you got all this stuff. So I think it doesn't really make any sense. I think what they're doing now at the moment is just going to say, okay, you know what? Let's just risk it and see what happened. It worked in Sweden. No one went on, lock, on lockdown in Sweden, basically. Okay, they're seeing slightly, you know, pumped up numbers now, but basically no one, you know, no one went into lockdown. Everything seemed to be all right. So now they're like, okay, you know what? Let me start with that. So just to counter at that point, they did go, didn't go into lockdown and they did have decent numbers, but in that region, in Scandinavia, their numbers were like literally astronomical compared to the other countries. Yeah, but why did it work in Sweden? Did everyone listen? You know what I mean? Why, why did it, like, why did it all of a sudden... It, worked, it didn't work. I think it's probably could be down to climate or something. You got, you got, you got, you got, you got to think as well. You got to think, right? <laughs> this has been, this, this, has, this has been a, this, hi, hi Erica, hi sleepy baby. Um, this has been, um, basically, your hotspots are in heavily populated areas, hence London, Birmingham, New York, Manchester, New York. New York. You know, where you've got some Germany to me, Germany to me, even though Germany is a huge country, Germany to me is rural because I know you can drive 20, 30, 40 miles and you, you, you won't come to nothing. So people are more spaced out. I believe Sweden's the same. People are spaced out, they're on top of each other. 
So yeah. you know, there's lots of small population. Like really, yeah, yeah. If you're not, if you're not, you know, London. We're supposed to go to a party in London the week, the two days before lockdown. And I said to my mum, "We ain't going." She's like, "Why?" I was like, "No, there's no way I'm going." And I'm so glad I didn't go, because if you think about it, the tube, the train, all them people, you're touching someone on the tube when you don't want to be touching them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Their face is right on your face. They're breathing on you. Yeah. <laughs> Looking them in the eye, and you're thinking, mate, you even twitch, twitch towards me. I'm going to butt you. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so well, if, you look at, if you look at where it is, places where people are on top of people, that's where it's, it's really taking, you know, it's really taking um, effects. But man, you see, I, I, boy, oh boy. Well, while Eric is here, can we ask her what she feels about um, the situation with children returning back to school? There we go. Oh. There we go, gone. <laughs> sorry, I think... Hello, can you hear me? Sorry, I thought, sorry Eric, I actually tried to mute my mic because I wanted to move my chair and actually didn't mute, mute okay, your mic. Okay, okay, I'm okay. sorry about that. I wanted to mute my chair. Hold on, I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a bit of an experiment for our school. Um, unless the Department for Education says otherwise, they're just going with reception year one and year six, which doesn't affect my children. But for me, I just think for the sake of that half term, and then there would be six weeks in between. I just feel like what would be the point if they were telling me that I had to send them back? I'd be like, well, what would be the point? We might as well let that time pass. And then they get used to the new normal from September. And it's not necessarily the risk for me. It's more the psychological and the emotional. Because if they're going into the playground and it's like there's these painted lines, this is where you are, this is where you aren't. And they're not like, yay, we're back to school. It's, no, you're back to school and this is what happens. You're back don't to prison. Don't touch your, t- your teacher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't touch back the to teacher. Don't call. If someone falls over, don't you dare go and console them and hug them. I want them to get used to that from September, well, not after a few weeks it, and then go over summer if, and then if, they're if, a bit traumatised. You've just scared me, you know. Time. You've just scared me because if you think about it, if that is the new normal, if if our kids, when they start school from the age of five, are being told, right, you've got to stay away from each other, no hugging, no human interaction. You're turning with well, yeah, all the nurturing that they need in throughout well, primary school, not even well, just the reception years, like yeah, up so to year six, I'd say. Can we, can we, sorry, Nigel, sorry, I just wanted to say what a great point to make, man. Because that is a robots. really re- Do you know why I'm saying that? Because I forget it's almost like the people who are born into this age of this age of distrust and partisan politics who didn't know what it was like just to have someone like in America like Obama who was just really regal and presidential and just presented and give all people sort of that confidence and you know about things like he's got our best interests at heart where now at least with Trump even if you like him you know there's an army out there to get him as well you know it's really like ah oh, I hate you you hate me I'm on your side I'm on their side there's kids born into that now who don't know any difference and it's going to be mm. the same like you were just getting on to now which was I said it was a great point. Who might be born into a world, and if you just, just explore that for a second, imagine being born into a world where it's almost like what's that film? It's not Divergent or something. But oh, man, there's, there's films like it, man, where you, they, yeah. they, the people can't Robotic. touch George, they George can't, Orwell. They, they can't get together. They can't get a partner. Yeah, Orwell. They're eyes 1984. 
So yeah. I'm saying, so you, you mm. create robots who, from the age of five, have been told, right, you can't talk, you can't touch, you're not supposed to touch mommy when you're at home, no kissing, no. Man, you're creating robots? Yeah. <laughs> I think there was a film called Creating the Island Psychopaths too. without yeah. any, without any emotional intelligence. That might be, oh where we're heading. might be where we're heading. Yeah, fair, sex is going to be illegal, guys. You can't have sex from two meters apart. I don't know if that's gonna. <laughs> I don't know how that's gonna work. Why, you have to why? live together. insemination. <laughs> live together right after the and here's no, another film for you. Remember Demolition Man 2? There was sex was yeah, there. Yeah, 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 exactly. So all these kind of little totalitarian rules that uh, we've seen in all these films and movies and that. The reality is, man, something like this allows them to even to implement what we yeah. see as fiction that allows them to make that a, a reality. Actually, what did I post? I posted actually something really interesting. This, um, I want to read it off. Hold on, where is it? About what the guy said about Oh yeah, but it says it does not take a Robert Landon from Da Vinci Code to realize that the mask is a powerful symbol. A person mm. wearing a mask is a startling sight that affects us on a, vi- va- a vis- visceral le- level. Uh, visceral, yeah, oh, visceral. visceral. The whole visceral. German thing, you know, they don't say V's <laughs> in German. It it instinctually triggers, it instantly triggers our deeply rooted fear of illness and death. It unconsciously raises our brain stress and anxiety levels while alerting us of impending danger. Each mask faces, each masked masked face is a reminder that things are not normal, that we should be afraid and that we are still looking for outside forces to save us. On a human level, the mask dehumanizes the people around us. How can we relate and associate with each other if we cannot tell if they're smiling or not? How can we connect to others? Um, to others if we can only communicate using muffled words for a piece of cloth we can't quite to the contrary the masks say stay away from me I don't trust you and that's true you know um, even when I think of even when I think about like I, I, I posted something controversial today which I won't put up after the you know deliber- a bit of deliberation about, about the, um, the Muslim uh, the being a kind of a a similarity to the way the Muslim woman would walk around is that she's got she's all masked up. You can't see her. You feel kind of you do feel kind of like a. Oh, so should I talk to this? Kid? I shouldn't talk to her. Okay, no, I'm not going to talk to her. How many of you guys would actually approach someone who's dressed in all these clothes? You pro- you probably wouldn't unless she was an authority. Figure. But, that, but, but that's the whole reason. That's the reason. Well, that's the reason. That's the reason they wear that though because they it, it's to it's to say to other men. I am owned. I am. I have. I've already got a man. If you look at the way it's portrayed, it's it's to stop well, women. It's not from... about a man, is it? It's almost a god. The same thing because you can have a woman who's got no man who will wear a burqa or a hijab. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, yeah. It'll be, it's, it's, it's it's the it's the um uh what's the word devotion to to Allah. And I think yeah. anybody who sees a lady walking in a burqa is not going to approach her because obviously, like you say, that could be like literally symbolism. The thing is, we 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 as humans, we work on body language, we work on yeah. a smile, we work on the glint of an eye, we work on a twitch of a cheek. But when you remove all those elements, you, all you've got is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, let, let's just stop. Let's just stop. <laughs> the thing is, no, I still think by the, ta- the tones of voices and stuff, you can still tell if someone's yeah. excited or miserable or you know, downbeat or, you know. Yeah. You can tell these different things on the sound of a voice, but I think yeah, it's also nice to have a visual 
the visual element of things. You know what I mean? It's all about humanity, isn't it? I mean, we are t- when we, when we when we're born and our parents bring us up and they they tell oh. us how to behave. Oh, what was that, baby? Yes, baby, baby, baby. <laughs> She's oh, awake. Okay. The toddler just tried to escape his bed prison. We're brought up. We're 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 kind of we're we're modelled by our parents and. You know, we, we we learn to we learn to read in expressions. You know, your mom your mom looks vexed and her lips are pursed. You know, saying that you better not ask her for no pocket money today, or you know, what <laughs> I mean, or or or, or 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 your dad. You know, what I mean, he's looking a bit hot under the collar. Or what, you know, what I mean, you read people. You, have, you go to school, you learn about more people. Yeah. So, absolutely, when you remove that element of the skill that you spent all that time trying to learn, it is frustrating because it's like, well. You know, I, I can't work out whether you're smiling, whether you're underneath that, you're grimacing, whether you're, yeah. you know what I mean? It, 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 and I think that's what that's what it is about. I just, to be fair, it doesn't really bother me. I, I, um, I've um, worked with clients in the community who have who, who do wear hijab, hijab, and the burqa and so on and so forth. Yeah, and I've had conversations with them, and they've been fine. They're normal people, just locked, you know, they're just locked, locked behind the religion. And the, and the thing is, what you got to remember is. They, you know, some of them want to talk to people, but it, it, the very fact of, of of how they appear stops them having those wider network of people who are, who could maybe support them in their own journey. So, you know, well, I've got somebody who might want to weigh in on this. Actually, I don't know if he's actually still on, but John stayed in um, Pakistan for for some some length of time, actually living with a Pakistani family, and I, I think this would be a good time for John to weigh in if you want to jump in, John. I, I was. Obviously, yeah. we know that people are people, aren't they? So whether somebody's wearing a burqa or a hijab, they're normal people. But what what was your experience like living um, in an Islamic place or staying in an Islamic place for months? How was it living with the family? My, it was amazing, to be honest. Um, I still keep in touch with them now because they get, again, they get the internet now and again. Um, uh-huh. They get to cut off and stuff at the moment. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was born in 1982. So I watched, again, you watch the news, you'd think Pakistan was extremely dangerous. Um, so I went up there anyway, uh, travelled through India and went up into the Pakistani mountains and stayed in Srinagar and, uh, I stayed with a family who took me all around the mountains and... Like Kashmir? Uh, yeah, Kashmir, yeah, through Kashmir. Then we went to, then into Lahore, so we crossed the border, stayed there on a houseboat and that as well. So, yeah, I, I mean, amazing, really. Don't how, long, how long, how, how long was you there for, John? I was there for three months. Um, wow. You know, cultural differences, and again, um, you've got quite an intense. There's a war sort of going on between India and Pakistan, so there's a lot yeah. of armed, armed yeah. police, and again, you've got a, lot got, of pomp and ceremony on the border, isn't there? <laughs> oh yeah, they really. It's they really face up at each other, don't they? <laughs> yeah, but to be honest, I never really had any problems over there. Um, and I, I mean, what's crazy is you watch the news and you think. You go to Pakistan, you think, oh, maybe something could go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing is, yeah, the thing is, though, I mean, we're always, it's all about fear. You know, I say this to a lot of people. I mean, I've got friends who, even when Turkey was having the bombings and some of the terrorist stuff, I had friends who were flying out to Turkey and having a whale of a time because they were thousands of miles away from where these things happened. So, and then that's the thing, same for me, when I went to Germany, John, same thing I thought as soon as I get off the plane there's going to be a bunch of skinheads there with bother boots I'm going to have to, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, have to go for it you know what I mean I'm going to have to, go, I'm going to, have to start a rally just to get to the wedding you have to fight your way through customs they are there man just in suits 
beautiful country. <laughs> oh, I've got a story about that. Carry on, Nigel. The most beautiful country and the most beautiful people. So, you know, it, yeah. the reality is the media feed us. They feed us enough to make us think, ooh, I ain't going there, George. It's, it's a bit dangerous there. The reality is, you know, take the chance like to go and see it for yourself. Like Brazil. You know, when Wayne told me he was going to Brazil, my initial thoughts was, oh, my God, brother, you can't go there. What's going to happen to you, man? All that violence and crime. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know something? Fair play to you, man. Go and take that And we stayed in the favela as well, Nigel. We didn't yeah, just go and stay out on the ship. We went and stayed in the favela. You went out there. You, you, you did it. You loved it. You experienced it. You come back. And the thing is, fear stops a lot of people from doing those things. And, and Gunshots didn't what, even do it. And we what, had gunshots and everything going off. In everything, our like, you know, in our, the way our, our media, our media is driven by fear. They're driven by, but they never say, oh, this place is amazing. Go here. It's not that bad. It's always, oh, no, don't go there. They're coming each other. Or... As I was coming back onto that, yeah, because again, you go, when I came back out of Pakistan, we landed back in Birmingham for two yeah. days and I got mugged on the number nine bus. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's absolutely ridiculous. And like I say, me and Wayne heard gunshots going off uh, in the favela. We actually actually worked our way up into the favela one time and a motor taxi wouldn't take us up. So we, we were going out, man. We had places to be. So we were actually like sort of clinging up against the walls and getting up into the, uh, we got off into the play, into the hostel and then back out wearing pink t-shirts each and sandals. Oh. Yeah, looking in shorts. Oh. Yeah, but um, you but look that was, good, man. <laughs> we did, man. We, we looked the part, man. We was going to, we was going somewhere. We was, we had, I'm sure we had a great night. Cause we had a great night every night. We was there. Um, but it's like John was saying, like he went and stayed. This is like for anyone, obviously, this is radio. But uh, John's a white guy. You know what I mean? Going into Kashmir, going through different, you know, provinces into Lahore. I'm sure there would have been checkpoints at some points. You know, there probably would have been looks. But like he said just before that, um, just prior to that, is it's a lot of fear mongering. And fear mongering will, and again, leading into this thing with COVID as well, it is going to change people's behaviors and it's going to change people's experience and their environment. Because once you've got sort of this Nazi style, and I don't mean it in the political sense, but like sort of adherence to what's going on out there, like, okay, then this is how we move like cattle. So government says turn left and every single 60 million people turn left you know everyone turn right you know and then they'll realize at the point where actually yeah we've got complete you know compliance or the the little bit that's not compliant is just negligible it doesn't really matter that there's nobody involved you know it's just a little factions here once they've got that control and just remember for the last 20 30 years all we've been having is people gaining intelligence on our habits, what we like, what we don't like. You know, if there was a war to break out tomorrow, the government would know which way it would go just by sheer numbers. Mm. You know, because, just because, because they know everything about us. They know that John votes different to I do. They know that, you know, we were aligned on certain things. They know what books we read. They know what we know, everything. And I'm not a conspirator. This is just talking, general, talk, general just, public knowledge. Just talking about voting, I, I think I was saying this to you the other day, Wayne. Mm. There, there isn't actually any such thing as left and right wing anymore. Mm. Because if you look at people's views, there are some people who would say they're left wing, but they do support some white right wing policies. Oh, sorry, um, what we'd call right wing policies. Or so they're I extreme left wing. I, I, I don't you know, but even, even between extreme and centre ground, if you like, there's all, if it's like a rainbow, isn't it? You know, there's mm. no one who's really a true lefty. Or that if they are, they're like at the extreme, or you've got your right at the extreme. But then you've got people who are shades of, of, of each other. And the reason I'd say that is because, you know, people always assume, oh, if you're Tory, you're racist. 
well, I don't know, plenty of Labour guys who were late racist, who, who were racist, who were valued racist in the past. So for me, politics is a joke because politics doesn't actually represent anybody now. <laughs> no. no, it's, it's very self-serving it's, now. It's character, it's character at the end of the day as well, because like you say, there's going to be, and this is exactly what's happening over in the United States at the moment in regard to Trump and Biden. Like I, I absolutely detest Trump and I can talk about him all day and night. But the problem is I absolutely detest Biden, who was vice president when Barack Obama was in charge. But this guy now has got credible um, sort of uh, rape charges against him. Um, from a former staffer. These accusations were made 20, 30 years ago when she was working for him. It's credible. It's been corroborated by people at the time. She made a report. She tried to get the, uh, the press involved because the report was being like squashed. Um, and so basically, it was basically put her hand up her skirt and down her pants kind of thing. And, and uh, like, she, it was, like it was all getting buried. And like it's sort of been picked up by some newspapers now. But because they are against Trump, even the newspapers that like really want to report this they've got a dilemma you know if we like scorn this guy in public and actually give this credible you know story some like front page or page two coverage then it's going to blow up joe biden and now trump's going to basically stay in power so they're literally suppressing truth and a rape charge and everything like that and even though it's coming out, it's literally like they'll only show positive people saying like, you know, we support him, we believe he's yeah, telling well, the truth. America, 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 again, well, same as every country, really. If you think about it, not being funny, as far as you're ever concerned in the media, there's only ever been two people that they can vote for. You know, where are all the young, coming, forward-thinking people who actually got experience of this world, not a world that's gone. Where are, they, where are those people? Why has it got to be some old fossil? Yeah, they're not laying down. They're, the they're getting on committees and they're getting on task force, but they're not getting into the, the key positions. Exactly. And, and for me, that's the biggest tragedy because I ain't being, I've got nothing against old men. I'm going to be an old man myself one day. But what do you mean one day? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, mate, I'm, 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 I'm I might be older than you, but I look 10 years younger than you. Yeah. Um, you do, bro. I was a bit just sharp with that stuff. Uh, yeah, sharp with that stuff. He's got probably perfectly manicured hands as well. I'm a real grafter, bro. I'm mate, out there for 14 me, hours me, on the mate. front line. I, I, I won't deny that, man. i got pen pushing hands. My hands push pen. They don't push nothing else. Um, you got all these fossils. <laughs> and you got all these... Look at some of the young people, business leaders that we have around the world, and you're telling me that they wouldn't be better than, you know, Trump's a dick, Biden to me is just, Biden to me, I don't even know who he is. And that's, and that's, the, that's the biggest tragedy. That's about as exciting world. as he is, bro. That's as is, exciting is that, as he is. Who, who are you? But it's the same politics. They don't represent the people. They, they can't represent the people because people's views now aren't, like I said, they aren't just left and right. It's left with a little bit of right. Well, yeah, you know, I support, I support like, you know, disabled and that, but I'm not sure about the immigrants coming in the country, mate. You know, and that's somebody who probably votes Labour all their life or doesn't realise why they're voting Labour. But at the same time, you know what I mean? So there's no, there's no kind of real political party which, which speaks to me anyway. You know what I mean? Because... Can I just interject there, Sec Nigel? Because I, I, I spoke to Simon. Do you remember me telling you about the Libertarian Party? Yeah, yeah, I do, bro. Yeah, like that, they're a party which is basically, I mean, I'm actually um, a member, but they're basically um, free. It's like an individual freedom, so everyone's free. There is no borders. There is no, uh, basically, they break down everything, so there's no government power. So 
they sit okay. in the middle. So again, because we're all so divided or everyone's divided all the time. Again, I used to follow politics. You end up yeah. getting dragged into certain narratives. Then you yeah. watch YouTube and you get even more extreme yeah. narratives going on. And I, and yeah. I admit, I've been pulled in by some very divisive narratives in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I decide I'm going to be more libertarian about things where you look yeah. at the human beings as, you know, a bit more humanity towards everybody and yourself. Yeah. Well, that, and, that, and that's the thing, man. I mean, you know what I mean? And that's the thing. Instead of it being red or blue or green and black or whatever colour these political parties, why can't it just be about human, pe human beings? Tell you what. We're going to make sure you're looked after. If you can't work, we'll look after you. If you can work, we're going to do the best we can. We're going to pay you the best we can. You know, why does it have to be that one party says, well, we're going to give everybody everything if it don't work. But then one party says, oh, you can't do that. But then end up doing it anyway because the country's mashed up. You know what I mean? It's or like the extreme opposite. I think that's what's happening more now. I mean, like if you look at this, the stimulus package that's been introduced in, in America where the two parties sort of introduced, wanted to give their their own sort of take. One wanted to give $1,200 as a one-off payment and that was it for like unpaid workers but give massive bailouts to big business. The others wanted to give pretty much everything to poor people and not everything but it was too generous in what they were going to give socially in, even in my what, opinion. What, 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 what is too generous though? Because no, but I mean, <laughs> when I say too generous, what I mean is I think that that bill was like it was consecutive payments of uh, up to $3,000 a month Per depend like per person and but, half but, of that but per children. Hang on, let me finish it. And then that was going to be rolling on until January at least. But then, okay. So, so what you're saying is the opportunity for them to actually say, you know, something. We're going to really look after our people. Yeah, okay. So it was too much. It would have been the first time in history that these Americans would have actually had something from that government. That was that saying, was never going to pass, though, bro. It was a political stunt. That was a political well, stunt. Whether, whether it was or wasn't, that, that's the thing. It's like, well, if you if, if that ain't good enough for them, then what would have been? <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I mean, that, that, no, it, wasn't, it wasn't good enough. It's like, because you've got people with complete opposing views. One wants to look after big business. One wants to look after the poor oh, yeah, person. Yeah. When it comes into a vote, like, you know, what it is, is two bills are introduced into the Senate. So, like, you got the what was called the Heroes Bills by the Democrat, and that was introduced. And it was like, when I say too generous, I mean, what I think that does, it, gave, it gives the incentive to just sit back and take payments because these people on benefits were basically getting wages rather than benefits kind of amounts of money and all right that has to happen but does it sound like he's giving you a head start though that's so, me yeah. what it sounded like that to yeah, me but we're discussing sorry just to get this out though but the problem is and i think a lot this is where i'm i'm not a conservative at all but in this point i am we're talking about governments and john said this at the pretty much at the opening we're going to be going and this is in england now i'm, I'm taking this away from america we're going to be in an economic situation that we have never seen the light of day before like so is, is this the time now and i'm a socialist bro i want to give poor people everything to give them a, a head start but i'm on about fiscally now can this country or america especially america actually be able to give out three thousand pounds per head until not not rolling until the autumn and see how it goes that is a it would have been a guaranteed bill that would have been rolling until january now we don't know what state the united states is going to be open i mean if it's going to be open if it's going to be closed if it's going to be semi-open if they are closed up until january but they've made them assurances the system that they're going to have by the time january comes there won't have been and then payments would have stopped in december or november because the country would have been bankrupt not states but the country would hey, have been bankrupt listen well, inflation eh? listen mm. that listen 
America is 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 virtually bankrupt. You think they? Do you actually think they can repay what they owe? You actually oh, think no, America, no, but they don't look, have man, to. America, uh, look, man, that's what I'm saying. America, England, most of Europe, they ain't got no money. You just look at the debt balance against all them countries, and they, they talk to you about, yeah, yes. man, gross, gross to predict, grow GDP and all that. But, mate, they, we owe tr- trillions across the world. It would never get paid back, ever, 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 ever. Long Mike, after we're the dead. The difference between a debt and, and the deficit, and this is what people always mix up and everything, like, uh, the United States isn't in debt. The United States has a, has a deficit of whatever it is, 100 hey, cents or you're, whatever. You're, you're, and the difference right, between that is the, it's, it's the amount that they can receive back through taxes. It's not the, 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 the debt they're, that they are around. It's the amount they're, they're, that they're, they're able to generate debt. back in taxes. No, they're, they're in debt, mate. America are in debt. Yeah, well, America's in debt. In we huge, all agree that America's in huge, huge debt. Huge, huge debt. Most countries don't even make the money back what they're borrowing. 90, 90, 80% of the countries around the world don't even that's make the money back what they're borrowing. About, that's, that's, no, that's all it is, it's like, it's, like, it's like you having a, a business and say, yeah, man, I've, I've spent £100 this year and I made £101 on 1% GDP. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, man, I made £1. I'm like, whoa! Well, I've got to borrow £20 next year to pay for some sellotape shit. I'm only going to make £101 next year. So, I'll, you know what I mean? But, mate, they've been mm. debt for when... They're in debt. They're all in debt. The whole world is built on debt. When share prices go... Um, when share prices are volatile... The thing to look at is the debt market, how much debt's being sold. You know what I mean? The linked debt to government bonds. When government bonds ain't even paying out any money because the, the, the debt's too high. You know what I mean? So well, I've got a question something, then. Something, I've, got a question about that. I've got a question about that then. So if every country's in, and I'm not disputing what you're saying because you're actually absolutely right, like every country is like technically in debt. But Except for China. Then, yeah, well, except for China, yeah. But imagine this is a person like, like say, as, or say if we're a person but we're also... The hypothetically, we're the country. We're in debt, yeah. So mm-hmm. if we're in debt to to pretty much everybody, how is it then? Like, say, say with America, they're in they're in debt. Or say the UK, we're, the UK is in debt for I don't know a trillion dollars or trillion pounds or whatever it is. Why is yeah. it then that? And I'm not saying this is wrong. That we can say okay, then, but we're going to give money to India or we're going to give money back to Mate, uh, because Pakistan, or okay, here is the That's US not essential debt. spending. The US debt as of uh, May the 20th, I, I can't even tell you what this number is, but let's say it's 25 trillion. 24, is that trillion or trillion? Let's say 25 trillion. That, that's their debt. That's oh my god. The thing is, the total, the total US debt is actually 77 trillion. <laughs> 77 so, trillion. So that's like 77 seven so, plus 12 zeros. <laughs> then, I'll tell you this, what, then printers need. To be working quick to make that money, man. They best get that on overtime. Pay <laughs> is in one thousand six hundred and seventeen billion of debt. So what's that then? What's that work out? One thousand six hundred and seventeen billion less than trillion. So that's all right, man. Well, that's what You're I'm saying. Right. Every, everybody is in debt. So all this talk of them. Oh yes, well you know we'll balance the economy. We're going to borrow it. And we're going to pay off some of our loans. That's like, it's all bullshit, mate. It's like it's like. It's like it's a ne- we're on the never never. We'll always be on the never never. What will happen mm-hmm. is every now and again they'll say, "Oh, Bank of England or Mint, print off a couple of billion pound, man." But don't tell the people them. Don't tell the people them. Because if you think about it, the way to look at it right is if you had, let's say, we had the world's all the money in the world, every note, every coin. There wouldn't be enough notes and coins to pay off what these countries owe. It's it's mm-hmm. fake. It's numbers on a screen. 
<laughs> well, mad you think about it, if you think about it in the situation that we're going to inherit it's almost like a mad situation because we're going to be left with the same situation as after the the financial crisis in 2008 where hey, this country's been in debt for years no, I'm not on about Yeah, they've been doing quantitative easing since then, haven't yeah, they? That's what I'm saying, quantitative easing and, and austerity. So we're going to go back into a situation where we're going to be paying higher taxes and we're all going to be bled like a stone in, in austerity. And yet you'd think now then there's got to be a situation now where um, there's well, got to be some pay, accountability, pay. accountability and responsibility for the way that this country handles that debt and pay. who that debt goes to. Even if they tighten mm. their backside belts and tax us all double, they ain't paying that. They're not paying that debt down in our lifetime. They ain't paying it down in our lifetime. So the thing is, austerity or no austerity, you know, I say to anybody, if you can, if you can do something to make your life better based on what you put into it, forget the government, because they ain't gonna help you. Make sure you're doing it. Well, they're going to no cut down tax avoidance, so they're going to try and well, that money. Mate, or are they going to just go do... for us again? Because this is what I was trying to allude to, Nigel. Like what happened last time in the in the financial crisis is like the banks, you know, and it's all these subprime lending that was going on in the states. Everyone was lending out money they couldn't afford, and yeah, yeah man, have a house, yeah, man. What? How much you got as a deposit? Five pound, pound. Now, nah, man, free deposit and everything. Just pay me when you can. That happened on a global scale, and a lot of risky. Bit, you know, everyone knows what happened in the financial crash. I ain't going to go through that again. But anyway. The, the people who was obviously mainly at fault were like big hedge, hedge fund uh, investors and these big corporations that are buying up these assets. Debt. And debt. Buying, buying debt. Buying, buying more buying, debt. Buying debt and buying debt. So when that when that <laughs> happened, they all come running with their begging bowls out, as did normal people as well, because we was all suffering. And then they give off the big companies their money to save their business mainly to hold on to staff, not have to shrink their businesses down to half. So again, obviously there's less <laughs> output. And then all they did is do stock buybacks. They bought back their shares in their own company, pushing the price of their shares up and either sold them at an inflated price or kept them at a higher rate. And they just shrank their companies anyway. You know, they, they uh, what do they call it now? Where you, where you bring in machinery and, and, and said, you know, they just moved into a more, yeah. yeah, yeah, automation. So they went into this sort of mode and shrank their staff, closed down. Look at the amount of, uh, you know, car dealerships, say, for instance, that just went bust. You know, General Motors nearly went bust. Chevrolet, all these big companies nearly went bust. But big oil pharma and all these companies were bailed out, given money. to, to act, They should have had some responsibility with that, some expectation that, you know, that money is going to you in order for you to, to, to secure your staff and look after the people at the bottom, well, all the way down. But they didn't. They took care of themselves and handed themselves Mate, big bonuses. So what's going to happen now? Is it going to be we're, us paying we're, 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 we're all old enough to realise that capitalism is a game. And if you understand the Monopoly. game, you can play the game, and mm. you can make, you can turn any bad situation into a positive. If you think about it, we're going to come out of this COVID. I'm telling you now, there'll be people who have made millions off the back of COVID, whether it be trading on Forex, whether it be buying reduced price shares, whether it's been investing in oil. What should happen is all those people who've made that profit, they should be taxed. Not saying all of it, but let's take, say, 30% of that money and let's play it back into some economies. And then that would maybe equalise a few things. But the, re the reality is people will come out of this richer than when they went in. The same as every other recession that I've lived through. People will come out of it. Richer. Some guys have got £100,000 sat lying around waiting to be spent on a couple of bankrupt um, properties, a couple of repossessions. Oh, I love that. Well, that's Listen, it, the, the smart money at the moment, bro, and I've seen it firsthand, and I've got to be careful of, of, of how much I disclose, but is this PPE stuff 
So hey, I've, I've got, I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm selling it. I've got all yeah, the company left, right and centre. This, this is what I'm saying. And, the, the, you know, there's the sort of value of this stuff, just a few pallets of it. We're talking like upwards of half a million pounds. Oh, you're going to speak to me about your boss, mate. Have you still got any? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it. Oh, we'll, have, we'll, have, we'll have a chat up here. Yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. So there's, there's a, like anybody who's got any money now. I'm just going to say this to you now. Uh, don't worry about who you're going to sell it to. Worry about how just much you're paying for it. Just, just worry about it. how much you're paying for it. Because I'm telling you now, there is a lot of money in PPE at the moment. We're talking N95 masks, uh, hand sanitizers, face guards, aprons. Uh, with listen, you are going to. Fill your boots if you've got that no, stuff. I've, I've, just, I've, just took a, I've just took an order of 500 of each of those items. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I say, we've been transporting it around in, in, in the high thousands and it's, it's, been, it's been mad. And it's like I say, people from people running little phone shops or news agents. Yeah. Let me know. Let, let, let me, I'll, speak, I'll speak to you tomorrow, man. I'm surprised. Yeah, we'll speak. We'll speak. We'll speak. That is my top tip for anybody. And another sort of thing, I don't want to go into politics, but because it doesn't really have to. But this story does actually involve uh, another American politician. I don't know her name. Oh, don't know. not another American. No, 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 Judge. But it's about oh. PPE. It's about. It's not about PPE. But it's about. It's about what people do in this in this crisis and everything. So what what this person did, and this is why I said it's not about a politician, because a lot of investors and business people would have done the same thing. When they saw sort of the the, the cloud coming, they started moving around their assets. Um, some people had inside knowledge. And now what's happening to what's starting to come out now in, in an unravel is that some of those people who had that inside knowledge made sure that, you know, certain elite people um, had that knowledge as well. And that was shared. And then a lot of assets were moved, transferred. And then yeah, someone's getting done for selling shares, isn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you selling off their, their stocks in companies that were yeah. clearly going to no, suffer. No, no, yeah. the, the companies that were going to suffer didn't know they were going to suffer, and there's a big well if you didn't tell them. Well, the, the you thing is, if you if, if you've ever done really any if you've ever done any kind of online trading, what what basically online trading is is guessing the market. So let's say the European Federal Bank said, right, we're going to announce a rate cut. That rate cut would then stimulate certain markets because you'd be able to get more euros for less money so you'd bet against mm -hmm. or bet against the euro and say okay i reckon the euro is going to drop to 0.xyz against the dollar and then you get basically you get paid for every pip so and that's the thing it, it's a game it's a whole game so i can cut in there this is the game that should be taught at school not, yeah, but not I, I don't age. think sorry that let me just cut in i don't think um i think you're if you don't have inside information, you're always on the losing end, if you ask me, unless you have a lot of luck. I remember when the crypto currency, currency bubble came and what, what, what companies were doing were like, yeah, put money on this because this is going to be the next one that blew up. See, the people who were suggesting you put money on this already had stocks in that, so blew it up yeah. and they sold theirs immediately when it blew up and then everyone else got caught like in the when the bubble burst. And I think that's the same with anything else. I think with any, even like anything at the moment, you got people, unless you're extremely lucky, like I said, you got people who are like, okay, look, this is going to happen. Yeah. And those people who know are in the know. And I don't know how you get in the know, but there's people who are in the know. Circles, get, man. Yeah. Who get the knowledge. They buy where they, when they know, okay, I got to buy here, buy. And the rest of you get caught in the, the bubble burst or the bursting bubble. So, mm. I mean, that's my little take on it, my two cents, man. So I think it's, uh, it's kind of, I think unless you really know where you're going to go or you got a lot of luck and you, you know people have got a lot of luck, man. People have just got money coming to them. I, I wouldn't even risk it. 
know what I mean? And that might be a bit um, conservative from me, you know? I, th- I, um, think, the pessimistic. Thing that I think I don't want to take away from these people. Like, like some of these traders are like really, really intelligent people who have done what I, I tried to do and what, where I know I missed the mark sometimes when I started my business and that. And that is like, sometimes you can be gone when it. So something looks great and it looks like you, you, you basically the early bird catches the worm. And you feel like, listen, this is a new thing. This is something that is going to be revolutionary or whatever it is. Then I think that can be, for people who are not traders, for people who haven't got experience in certain markets, I think you have to have a look at like an actual deep check at yourself because it's almost like saying, listen, we love football or we think football's really profitable, yeah. So I'm going to go and earn 90k a week playing for, for Manchester United, but you never kicked a ball before. I think we sometimes we, we can be quite arrogant in that sense. And I'm not saying like it, it's wrong to do these things and there aren't good sort of schemes and projects and, and things to get in on. But the thing is, if it's been presented to the world rather than to a select group of investors or something, say like cryptocurrency, where it's like, this is the next big thing, trust us. And then everybody starts investing. I think it's a bit naive in a certain sense to, to, to be able to predict how that's going to go in an unknown market, how that's going to turn out, because you'll have some of the best people touting it because those best people who are people who are trusted will have a vested interest because their name means something. Their confidence in their name means something. So if you've got somebody like Martin um, Lewis, who does the money show in, in the UK, is a very, very trusted person who knows about money saving and, and expert tips on how to make money and all these different things. Um, he would be somebody who people would trust. Now, he's often misquoted. People even put up false ads and everything saying that he's endorsing stuff. So a lot of sort of falsehoods and conjecture can go into the picture and people can fall for it. And I know that you invested some money in cryptocurrency yourself and, and I know a lot of people have and I know people who still have it and still believe in it. My personal I know people who are making make well it goes up and down doesn't it and I suppose it's one of those it, it ain't like your typical equity where you'd buy it and sit on it. You've got to be semi-active in terms of just keeping an eye on what's going on but it's like yeah it's like any bear it's like any bear market you've got to get in there so right now you know we're in a bear market now is probably a good time to buy but not to hold for very long because what mm. you what you probably notice is the share some of the share prices are going you know going back up again rather rapidly but if you think about it we've got no economy and the share prices are going up what's all that about I said there's people sitting behind manipulating the numbers. Trust me, man. This is just logic, man. You can see it, man. It's all rigged. It's all rigged. Well, that was the same with the oil, wasn't it? Because remember, the first part of the, when when the shutdown happened, it almost caught the oil industry off guard. Because I don't think, and if like um, John said, like since the the start, of, you know, since the writing of the Magna Carta, you know, back you know a thousand years ago, um, we've never had these draconian measures where we've said to citizens literally you are on the space is subjective under our every whim and you will do mm-hmm. everything we say. And that is, that is the world that we're living in now, you know, and it's, with the oil it's a, industry. It's a, perfect, it's, it's, a perfect, it's a perfect storm. If you think about it, right, because oil is sold. I don't know if you guys know, but um, back in, I can't remember, it might, it might have been one of the conditions of the war. You might have been before um, for America to come into the war. They basically said to England, right, we want some of your, your turf. Some of your land, some of your ter- some of your territory, and I think one of the other things they wanted to do was to link the sale of oil to the dollar. That's why you always see um, oil quoted in dollars. So if you think about it, it's a perfect storm. Oil prices twenty pounds or less. They're having to pay people to keep the oil for them. 
So there's no money being traded in dollars, which means that the dollar ain't being bought and sold at the value that it's normally being bought, bought and sold at. You've got COVID. They've got to pay out all this money. It, it, it's, it's like... If someone couldn't have written this, if someone had written this and put it in a film, it would have laughed. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're, oh, we're having the film, hey. But if you think about it, it's all intrinsically linked. No. You know what I mean? It's all intrinsically So, for example, let's say oil was still £80 a barrel or whatever it was before COVID. You know, there'd be more money slushing around. There'd be less pressure on, you know, all these kind of things. They're saying, well, we're going to support our people. May well be happening because with COVID, the, the demand stopped or slowed down. So we've got this big glut of oil now. I hope it kind of forces them to say, you know something, we need to focus on getting green vehicles out there properly. We need to Remember focus that's what on getting solar. We need to focus on, mate, we've got water on this planet. What? I think that I've, I've been told, I think I've read somewhere, they actually made a car that runs on water. Yeah, yeah back in the 70s. The guy, the guy was the paid 80s. off. Paid off. Not no, he wasn't. He was murdered. He was murdered. Oh, well, mur- well murdered. Then. Actually, I know. Oh, I know a guy. Per- who personally knew a guy who um, designed an engine that would run on water, and he said he saying. was he was getting hassled the whole time by the agencies. He was getting hassled. That's what I'm saying. Constantly. Because if you think about it, a whole economy is built on it's built on fossil fuel, which is then built a, a manufacturing industry around it. If you was to go around Britain and see how many cars are sat in fields, brand new cars. But they ain't going to get sold at all in the next year or two. Just sat there mm-hmm. gathering dust. So a whole industry is built on fossil fuel. It's built on us buying on credit a new vehicle to then put more tax in in our fuel tank. You know, you remove that. And <laughs> mate, built on sand, man. Oh, you know, what, I just, I just want to. Okay, let, I just want to finish up with this last topic that I actually put in. What do you guys think about sports being played with no fans? What do you, what? What, what is I'm that about? I'm not entirely against it. I'll be honest. Yeah, but the thing is, isn't sports about fans? Like I, like obviously I'm a football mm. fan, so I like yes and, I yes like and, to watch my yes football fan no. teams. Yes and no. Yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah, but look, like I, I, I remember playing football myself, and I used to love that there were people watching me, and I used to get a buzz, and it used to feel really good. Now I gotta play. Like a like it's almost mate, like a Sunday mate, league you, game. You 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 sit in airports for two hours, man. I mean, yeah, like yeah, but so. yeah. But think about it like this: look, you got like no fans. You got all these substitutes and people sitting apart. I mean, you've just seen in Germany. I just started started to basically now play football again, which uh, I, mean, I got a colleague. Yeah, yeah, Solas. A, a colleague of mine was basically saying, yeah, they just did it because the one you know Germany's always about. Yeah, we're the leaders and we're the first, and that's the basically. That's the built makeup of a German person, actually. Just want to be the first and the leaders and show that we, we can do it and we're the best and blah, blah, blah. And you see that now by restarting a game where the players hate it. You, when they score goals, you can't touch anybody. It's like, okay, we score. Yeah, yeah. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. No. You know, it's ridiculous, man. I think it's... And then when there's no fans and, and you know, all they're doing for, is basically for TV money and stuff. Is that, is that all it is? Financial. So it is financial. So of course it's about so, finances. So, so basically, all of a sudden, no one matters except for the money, the money side of things. Mate, if this comes back in six months' time, like we're being told, all this will be irrelevant. Yeah, we don't it shut down again. Cool. I think what they'll do, they'll, let, they'll, they'll say we're going to ride the storm. I think, I reckon they won't lock down again. I think they'll say we'll ride the storm. We'll see how many people die from it. Because it's not going to kill everybody. Let's be honest. COVID-19 is not going to kill everybody. Yeah, but it's about responsibility. Ain't it? So it's about them being able to say... This is justifiable to allow a certain percentage of the population, and I think they, I think from what the the um, 
Dr. Fauci, when we go back to him, said in the States, if left untouched, you know, it could have been anywhere between two and a half million to, to 10 million, I think it was quoted in, in the United States, left untouched. That's a huge portion of the population. And all those people who lose one person are going to have so many people impacted by it in certain ways. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, like, just think about the immediate aftermath of a, relative, of a close relative dying, a parent or a brother or something like that. Just, you know, there's going to be people out of work grieving. There's going to be a whole, whole, you know, and it's like the butterfly effect, you know, one little bit um, of a breakdown if in, in 20 million people's lives is going to have an astronomical knock-on but, effect in other but, ways. But wait there, isn't it shot by, by restarting things like sporting events? Doesn't, doesn't it show you that they don't care about human life? Listen, we all know they don't care about, and it's not they don't care about mm. human life. It's it's that weighing up, and this is the problem that we, I think, because I love what John was saying about being a libertarian, is, is if, what, as long as we live in a capitalist world, I'm not, and I believe there has to be some level of capitalism. I'm, I'm not about, like, in a sense, of, like, there has to be some kind of trade-off in something, you know, whether even if, you're, you know, I give you a goat and you feed me for a week or whatever it is, there's going to be some kind of trade-off in life. Um, but I think what the problem with capitalism is, is it, 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 it takes away, especially the honesty, uh, say the way the government has to present something to us. Like we have to be at a point where we will let so many people die because we need your money. Because if we don't yeah. have your money, we don't have our system. They can't give you that honesty. So that what they have to do is say, we're trying to protect you as best as we can. And believe me, they don't want many people to die as well because these are batteries for the system as well. They don't want a lot of people to die. The problem is if a lot, if it's either lock down everything or let quite a lot of people die, they're going to let quite a lot of people die and promise you that they never meant to when it was clearly pol not politi political, but economical. And that was one of my points that I was saying in my video. It's, econo it's economical science mixed with public health and it's delivered to you as pure public health. You understand, mm. like, that's what they're doing. It's like, we're looking after your best interests. This is the available science. The best available science, if we're being completely honest, and I think even John could see this, is to say everybody locked down. It's complete, basically the most draconian measures you can, the most extreme measures you can, because that is the most extreme way to minimise risk. But there's also yeah. the balance, and it's the honesty of it, is that, listen, we can do that, but literally it's going to be like the Book of Eli when we go back outside. You know, it's going to be like dusty streets, you know, nothing's been collected, rooms haven't been collected, nothing, you're not getting a house, what are you signing into the housing list? There isn't a housing list. What's the war on drugs? There's no policeman, there isn't a war on drugs. Like, it's where we balance ourselves and put ourselves. And the only crying shame about it is that because of the way society is and the fact that we run on elections and who's going to stay in power and who's going to do what, is they can't actually tell you the truth and say to you, look, we have to balance these. And, and they'll tell you to a certain extent, but, you know, we have to let people die in order to, to, to make money. No. And, and Do you think are. economically then that was why the elderly were neglected for the care homes? Because then it would ease the economy in not having to pay for. Well, yeah, they were the main, I think they were the main target. Like, I think you've just put a perfect point and, and um, it's the same as, again, what, what's, what's going on in America is they're not testing, and it's not just in America, but in many places, they're not testing a lot of people per capita deliberately because they don't want the numbers to be astronomically high it's a deliberate ploy to keep numbers down and i don't know you guys were having a debate before i think about whether the numbers are underreported or over imported uh, reported um dr fauci says they're definitely underreported because there were people who would have died in their house not made it to hospital or not being tested when they first reported symptoms of anything who when they die 
if they've got underlying conditions, it'll be like a given to that. You know, they won't test somebody. The for thing COVID is, though, where, where, where that's a bit skewed, though, is that they are getting paid more for people who have got COVID. No, I mean, there's definitely going to be some manipulation if, like that, bro. But if, if you think if, about... If people are put on ventilators. So, you know, so for example, you know, in a care home, a lot of, a lot of old people in the care home, when they die, it is, it, it is normally actually because of pneumonia. They normally die of a chest infection. That is mm -hmm. what normally takes them. You know, the reason I can say that is dad's home. I mean, since he's been there, there's probably been about 15 people died. And they all seem to go, all seem, always seems to be their chest. So... This is, again, it's like a perfect thing. Because, again, when they first come out of it, they said, oh, 70s, 70s. And I cynically said, oh, that's a way to get the care bill down. That's a way to get the care yeah, bill down. Yeah, I mean, down. myself. That's, that's, myself. That's, a way to, that's a way to get the, you know, Birmingham has got to pay out 200 million this month on, on care, this year on care fees because, 20, you know, 10,000 people died who was in the, you know what I mean? And it is a cynical way of looking at it. Um, but that, and that's why I'm not so... The pensions crisis, didn't it? Like, would you remember, there was all this, like, oh, shit, there's no money in the pot and everything to pay the pensioners off who have all got to retirement age and they're owed a pension. And there's this crisis because a lot of them have put a lot more into the system. And the government just sort of, sort of realised, like, we actually haven't got this and this is going to be, like, a, a problem going forward. And they just dragged their heels, paying them out, so they died. You do know that some of that was because Gordon Brown robbed the pension pots when Labour came to power in 97. Yeah, yeah, I mean, literally, the whole plot, the whole party started... Like, this is, and, 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 abolish, and, and abolish Myra, so homeowners have to then pay more for their mortgages. Good old Yeah, neighbor. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Let me say this, because I'm a Labour voter and that, but the one thing I won't do is excuse nastiness from, 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 um, from anybody in politics, and that was a disgusting thing. But my thing that I was most, like, like, um, like uh, appalled by, really, with Labour um, at that time, is that if you think about it, you've got an ageing population. They knew that there was a... Uh, a a crisis with the pensions and they knew that people obviously needed to get money back off the government people wanted their pensions and labor literally said we've got this crisis we're going to like have these reports and we're going to look into it and we're going to get everybody their money and they literally dragged their heels i can't remember how long it was i don't know if it ever got sorted but literally nobody really got paid or if they did the majority of them had died they dragged it that long, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. They were just waiting for them to and die. This is, so and this, is why, I, this is why I say there's no left or right. No, there the isn't. Reality, the, the people, you know, I, I, I've got you know, people in the community. Yeah, man, what a little man. I've got a for the black man. And, and I look at them <laughs> and I say, oh, yeah. And, and, and why is he for the black man? Yeah, man, look after the black people there. Like, look after the black people there. And guys, they're racist, man. They're racist. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so these Labour people then, so, so what do they do for you? What do you mean? Well, did they come and cook your food or anything? What do you mean? They pay your mortgage. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. So you're saying they look after the black man, but they're not looking after you. So what are you saying to me? <laughs> so there ain't, no, there ain't no left or right. Like you said earlier, it is about, it's just about the person who's in charge. You know, if you put, I don't know, Eddie Murphy in charge of a Labour Party, they probably would win. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But any starting charge. You know what I mean? Will Smith should go and run. Is it easy to He'd probably win, yeah, man. Will Idris, man, Idris is calling. I'm gonna vote for Idris, man. He used to come in and bang up the country, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, I reckon, I reckon, just two points. I reckon the reason why we're in debt is we're still suffering from the wars, the last few wars, yeah, Great oh, Depression, man. the War One, World War Two, etc. It's the first that made up the first majority of the, the debt that we that exist today. Second, I've I've been asking myself this question: Who do we owe the money to? Who do we owe the money to? 
And apparently there's two different people. as two sections. Part of it goes to the public, which I'm guessing is around 20, 23 or 4%. Yeah. And the rest goes to the intergovernmental holdings, which is made up of a collection of companies that, you know, somehow have all this money. You could say, yeah, okay, there you go. Borrow you a little bit. They buy government gilts, don't they? And the government guaranteed them a specific percentage back on that money that they yeah. borrow from them. And that's the thing, it's perpetual debt. Because if you, if you think about it, you're paying back, okay, we owe almost two trillion pounds so even at 1%, the interest on that is what, 200, 200 million, maybe 2 billion? Mm. About 2 billion, maybe, well, maybe even more than that. You know, that's the interest. That's before you even think of attacking the, the, the 2 trillion. Okay. So it ain't, and plus they're paying, they're paying people back more money because they're giving them interest on the guilt that they're borrowing against, the debt they're borrowing against, the government debt they're borrowing against. They're saying, oh, oh yeah, if you give us 10,000 pounds, we'll pay you 3% in three years. Oh, oh, oh. Thinking and hoping that the economy is going to rise enough for them to pay that back and have a little bit left over. It's a game Speculative, isn't it? It's a game of chance. And this is what I'm saying. At some point, it's got to go pop. And we, as a people, have to make sure that we're in a position where if it goes pop, we can survive, whether that's having your own little side hustle, whether you got, I don't even know, but if, if you're going to rely on the man, the man, unfortunately, um, ain't going to look after you in, in your time of need. Oh. You know what I, mean? I wanted to ask John, John, are you still there, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm still there, yeah, cheers. I wanted, to, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you, because obviously it's getting late now, but with this um, crisis, I mean, have you, have you kind of examined any ways, I mean, is there any ways that your business can pivot and kind of, is there any opportunities that you can grasp or, or implement at this time to kind of bring you out of it kicking and screaming? Well, to be like that's not, uh, to me, to, in a way, I look at it as a bit of a gift because, yeah, I mean, for many years, I've been self-employed. I've had quite a good wage. Got a few dads working for me. Got a bit complacent. But when this happened, my business is highly linked to the aerospace industry. So, oh, right. Collapse. So, I've literally, for the past two months, I've been developing another side, which is on... Um, completely different recruitment areas, but um, pivoting it and just turning it around and hopefully, you know, can survive. And at the same time, yeah, just doing lots of training and development. And I've got my guys doing lots of training and development because I, yeah, I, I, this this month, where if you are, you do have the privilege of being furloughed yeah. or not going yeah. to work to some extent, um, you can actually really maximize all your skills oh, absolutely and- I'm, I'm i'm so glad you've said that actually because um you know i work with a mixture of, of people and some of them have still got their heads in the sand thoroughly and it's really encouraging to hear that you report you know something do this let me find another niche that i can specialize in that ain't effective and i can kind of go and develop knowing that when the aerospace industry comes back and can still get back into that as well and if it does if it does turn full circle in 12 months i've now got two sides of the business which are going to make me hopefully twice as much money so and that's i'd like to get you on my um my group actually we'll do a facebook interview man because i like to i'd like you to kind of spread that message to some more people but, but that, um, yeah that, that's, that's really positive that is man that's, that's, well done, man. i think a lot of people think we're going to go back to normal but it'll be a new normal a new mm. land and yeah you know, the people who took advantage of the time that they have had, um, uh, the, 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 the free time, 
you know, we'll yeah. hopefully um, be, be able to help the economy get back up and running. But, um, yeah, that's, that's no quite long. guys and everything as well. And um, Erica, your name rings a bell to me. I, I think I'll know you from quite a few years ago as well. Marvin. Oh, Simon and Marvin's friend. Okay. Everything comes full circle. <laughs> uh, does anyone want to throw any last topics quickly or are you guys good? No, I think we've caught I think we've done really well. I just want to hope um just thank John for coming on and, and hope that we're getting back on the show because I've really enjoyed um having him on to be honest. Company, <laughs> Interesting conversation, dude. Brilliant. Okay, and uh, good to have you, man. Good to have you, John. All right, yeah. uh, thank you. Oh, before you go, John, um, could wait. Yep. Cut that off, sec. Actually, keep it on. Keep it on. Keep it on. Um, John, can you give um, send myself or Nigel just um, just a little bit, like a, a basic bio, because we're gonna yeah, yeah. Bio and a photo and your and your and your um, social media links to any businesses or anything that you wanna that you want kind to of let everyone know about. Yeah, yeah, I'll send them over. I'll send them over in the morning. Yeah, I'll send them over. Cool. cool. Okay, we'll go around the table quickly. Erica, you got anything to say? Uh, yeah, I just want to say in terms of mental health and well-being, look after your own and check on people that you're not hearing from. I hear so many things listening to the news and things like that, that people are just so fearful and so upset. It breaks my heart to hear it, but literally just try not to be scared and look after people that you know that they're vulnerable as well. All right, thanks a lot. I actually really like what you wrote to me about what my um, memory that I was going to post. And it's because of you, I'm not going to post it now because I felt like it was... A disrespect actually to the whole land. Oh, so. I thought I thought it was my powerful word. I post it I post it I post it in the group and you can have a look at what you wrote because she may really like see it in a different light. Uh John, you got anything to say? Oh well, you get a chance in a minute, Nigel. Yeah, huh? sorry, again. You got anything you want to say? No, no, honestly no, just um, thanks for the input. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the main thing to take from this Really, again, like Simon talked when we were talking about politics earlier, I think we're all so connected. You know, to that, um, you know, money trying to get a bat, and we, you know, we've been affected by it. I think it's just keeping um, an open mind on everybody's perspective, and we're all connected. We're all there. We're kind of, kind of lost him. Yeah, we're kind of, we're all connected for him. Down the politics. He said, put down the politics, basically, yeah. and we get a bit, we're all connected in, in more ways than, basically, in more ways than we're separated, I think. I think that was the general piece of it. So, yeah, man. Yeah. All right. Well, Nigel, Nigel, got anything you want to say quickly? For more anything? Everybody, everybody, join hands and take care of yourself. Um, this stress that we're going through is about to ease. I'm not, I'm not sure in what way, but just be ready for that new normal. Uh, yeah. Take a chance on yourself. Take a chance on life. Remember, we have one, and it's been proven that it can stop at any time. So, stop being afraid of living. Live, man, live. <laughs> Simon. Simon. Definitely, I wanted to tell one thing that um, John said. Like with the new normal, that's what we're going to look forward to. The new normal, we get the chance to create this now. So let's take the best of what we learned and in life, the lessons that we've reflected. And let's get rid of the bad habits, the bad vibes and everything and move forward in a more spiritual, positive, industrious way, man. Let's get out there and let's go and make it happen. Let's get after it. 
All right. And I would say who's actually now living the new norm in Germany. Uh, if you see someone wearing a mask and they approach you, assume that they're smiling because that's what you're going to have to do from now on. <laughs> Guys, thanks for joining. If you love the podcast, pass it on. We are the Locker Room Talk, the real Locker Room Talk, Black Up Lives. See you later, guys. See you later, later man. Bye. Bye. Black Up Lives. Black Up Lives. Black Up Lives. Black Up Lives.